0: hey pastor josh here thanks so much for watching our videos if you'd like more information about legacy city church you can go to legacycitychurch.com please don't forget to like subscribe and hit the bell below god bless you we're in matthew chapter 13 in our bibles and i'm working through a series we have titled jesus worldview jesus worldview people ask me what are you teaching on i said i launched this uh study jesus worldview after Really, 2020 into 2021, and we had all these views going around, and I'm just overwhelmed and, and tired of all the views. To be honest, I want to know a singular view, and that is a view of the Lord Jesus. And I'm hoping that it ministers to my views. It helps me see clearly into this world. It helps me see through all the fog of what's going on. Regardless of how you were raised, what you were brought up in, how you were influenced and molded uh, as you were raised, I hope you, as, as I do, desire to see Jesus' worldview the way that he sees the world first and allow that to impact the culture, the neighborhood, the ideas, the influence, the family, the friends that we grew up around. And let him be dominant. Let him rule and reign in our lives as Christians. You know what the word Christian means? The word Christian is the word Christ with yens at the end of it. Christ is what word in the Greek or the English? It is the word Messiah. It means ma- Messiah followers. Or Jesus followers, and we follow His ways, we follow His teachings, we follow His worldview. That's what a Christian is. Uh, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Okay, uh, a lot of people think that Jesus Christ. That's not His last name. It's not um, His. That's that's title Messiah Yeshua, Mashiach Yeshua, Christos Meshu, mes, uh, Messiah Yeshua Jesus. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Sell Everything and Find Life. Sell Everything and Find Life. This is sermon number 59 through the book of Matthew. Heard of a story, maybe you heard about this one. A man was down on his luck, he lost his job, his unemployment had ran out and he could not find a job anywhere. One day a friend says, hey Joe, I heard there's some sort of job opening at the zoo. Why don't we check it out? Joe didn't know much about animals, but he was desperate. So the zoo director met Joe at the door with a handshake and he told Joe the job opening had been filled, but there was one job still open. Joe says, what is it? Well, you see, our gorilla died recently and he has our most popular attraction. We need somebody to play a gorilla, put on a gorilla suit and just stand in the back and you'll do well. Joe says, well, I can do that. So he puts on the suit the first day, he starts making gorilla noises, he swung around a bit on some vines, not bad. This went on for a week and Joe got more and more into his role each day, and one day he was posturing and swinging wildly from the vines, putting on a show like no other, and suddenly he lost control and he sailed over a fence in the air into the lion exhibit next door. Joe was terrified and froze, and the lion looked at him hungrily and started growling. Closer and closer to Joe. Joe backed up against the wall and started screaming, oh my God, help me! The lion got right up in his face, dude, nose to nose and says, shut up, stupid, or you get us both killed. (laughs) (laughs) Just a joke. (laughs) Sell everything and find life found an article, this is Mental Floss UK, it was written in 2017, but he talked about seven of the biggest treasures ever found on the planet. I'll share four with you. The first was a Curdale hoard found in 1840. It was approximately 3.2 million dollars. While repairing an embankment of a river Near Preston in, in England, a group of workmen dug up a lead box. Inside was one of the biggest hoards of Viking treasures ever found. More than 86,000 items were documented in that treasure chest, including silver coins, jewelry, all kinds of stuff. The next was the Hawks uh, Honks hoard. 1992 they found it, approximately 3.8 million. Having lost his hammer in a field, a farmer named Peter Watling called a friend with a metal detector to help him find it. Instead, he found a treasure. Inside the oak chest was a collection of silver spoons, gold jewelry, and coins dating back to the fourth or fifth century. The the third, this is the Sroda treasure, approximately 120 million dollars. It was found in 1985. An old building in the Polish town was being demolished ahead of renovations. When a vase was found beneath the foundation, inside were more than 3,000 silver coins dating back to the 14th century. $120 million. This last one, they found just 2015. They just found it. Scuba divers exploring the seabed near the harbor of Caesarea, the national park in Israel, thought they'd stumbled across a child's toy when they found the first gold coin, scuba divers. But when they saw how many coins there were and looked more closely at the engravings on them, they realized they had found something pretty significant. They reported their find to the Israel iniquities authorities and returned with metal detectors to search the area more thoroughly. In the end, they found 2,000 coins recovered, and this, they say, is priceless. Gold coins. Finding treasure still on the earth. Do you know today we have men and women looking for treasures all over the world in relationships, success, money, fame, and power, thinking it will satisfy them. What we will discover today in our text is all the treasure you could ever want is found in a relationship with God. And Jesus talks about it in the parables before us. Everyone's on a treasure hunt. Everyone's trying to figure out their purpose in life. Everyone's trying to make a little more. Everybody's trying to gain a little more. Remember when J.D. Rockefeller was asked how much money was enough? He said, just one more dollar. It's a little bit more. There's something in us, there's drive in us and I wanna encourage you, the drive is good. The passion is good. It's awesome that you wanna create and build. We're made to do it. We bear the image of Almighty God who is the creator, who is the builder, and he's the best at it. We should have that in us, but it should not become our God. It should not become what we worship. The treasure hunt is not what we worship, but it's the treasure, and the ultimate treasure is him. We're gonna talk about it today. It's found in the text before us, hidden in the parables before us. We are in Matthew chapter 13 in our Bibles. We're gonna read verses 44 to 52. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? I always like to stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him and to remember whose word we are reading. It's not mine, my words will never change you, remember that. They will never change you. God's word will transform you forever. It's amazing, you listen to one sermon and read God's word and all of a sudden it transforms the mind and heart to live a different way, to love a different way, to seek God a different way, it's powerful. Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 44. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again, and from the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out his treasure, things new and old. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your treasure. And we're in awe that you would grant us an inheritance that no one can count that you would bless us and bestow upon us a treasure that no one can fully gather. You give it to us infinitely, it's you. And I pray that us here today, Lord, your church, would find the treasure, would find the treasure in the field once again, that a relationship with you would be renewed, that you would bring those who are far from you, close to you in this moment, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. You can be seated. Jesus has been speaking in parables to the crowds and saying, let him who has ears hear. He speaks this way so those who are a part of the kingdom will hear what he is saying and those who are not will never understand. It's amazing how that works because again, I've been preaching for about 20 years now. And as I preach, I, I try to preach in such clarity that everyone would understand. For some reason, some their ears open and their eyes open, and they can almost observe spiritually beyond what I'm even saying. And they say, Man, I think you were speaking directly to me. Did you read my mail this week? Were you in my emails? Were you in my DMs? Did you Did you see my uh, text messages coming through? No, no, I don't know what's going on, but God does. And he somehow magically speaks through his word and through these messages to impact people's lives. They hear spiritually, they see spiritually, their heart beats spiritually, their mind thinks spiritually. I, I say it's like seeing in color. When you couldn't see in color before you see all the colors you see all the texture you see all that's going on the painting jesus continues to build out pictures of his kingdom and the ones before us today are some of my favorite let's look at them closely look at verse 44 again the kingdom of heaven is like a what a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid again And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It's one verse. Are you ready? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, sitting in a field, sitting hidden in a field, which a young man, when he was walking in an open field, about half a mile outside of town, he saw a giant tree, but none others around it, and he decided to go and sit under that tree for a quick rest, and as he sat down, he saw a glimpse of this box out of the corner of his eye in the ground, and the edge of gold was peeking out of the ground, and it was sparkling in the sun, and he ran over to see what it was, and he brushed some of the dirt off the surface, and he realized something was buried. He looked around to see if anybody could see him and no one was there. So he started to dig around the box with his hands. And as he dug, he could see the gold framing around the old treasure chest. He grabbed the handles and he pulled it up. And in amazement, he saw a gold-plated tree on the front of this box. And the box had two latches on it and he unhinged them and he opened the box. And as he opened it, behold, a treasure like no one has ever seen. The sun flashed on the diamonds and rubies and sapphires and emeralds the size of a man's fist. The box was filled with precious gems and gold and silver. The man froze just staring at what he had found and he quickly closed the box and he latched it up and he put it back in the ground and he buried it as fast as he could. He grabbed branches from nearby bushes around to try to hide the freshly moved dirt. And then he was on his way. He ran back into town as fast as he could. He went home and packed up all of his stuff. And he went into the market and he set up an area to sell all of his belongings. Then he brought his cows and his horses and his chickens to the auction and he sold them all. And after he had sold them, he put his house up for sale and sold it as fast as he could. After he had sold all that he had, he took all the money that he had made and he went to the tent where you could trade in town, in the square for land and he said to the man at the counter, excuse me sir, is that land about half a mile out with the giant tree? Do you know about that? Do you know, is that for sale? I would like to buy it. The man says, that desert piece of land? There's only one tree on it and there's no water. It's hard ground. It's a half a mile out from town. Nobody wants that land. The young man said, well, I do. No, you don't want that land. It's good for nothing. The young man said, no, I want to buy that land. The seller, knowing the piece of land was only worth about five grand, the seller says, well, how much you want to pay for it? The young guy says, I sold everything I have, and I was able to put together $307,000. I will offer you $307,000 for the land. The seller about fell over in his seat and said, okay, sold. And the seller handed over the deed, and the young man took that deed and ran into the field as fast as he can. And as he's running, tears of joy started running down his face because he realized he had bought the land. He realized he had purchased the land that had the priceless treasure of precious gems and silver and gold, which no one had ever seen. It was his. He sold everything to buy a hidden treasure in a field which was worth more than he could ever make in a lifetime. He was rich. He was rich forever. What a great story, a beautiful picture, a perfect parable. Now you should know all the details of that story are not in the Bible. I added all those details, but I pulled all of that story from the concrete details of this one verse. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that a man found and he hid it again and from joy over it he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. He sells everything immediately to buy that field because he knows in that field is worth more than all the treasures on the planet. He's overjoyed to do it. It's not that big of a deal to him. The man at the counter is like, you're an idiot. This thing's only worth five grand, it's worth nothing. And that is how the world looks at the kingdom of God. It's just a dirt field, man. There's nothing out there. But you look into their eyes, you say, you have no idea. For all of the treasures, all of the wisdom, all of the knowledge, all of the riches, all of the satisfaction that your soul desires is hidden in that field. I will give all for it. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Thus, what is the treasure in this parable? The kingdom of heaven or the king of heaven, who is the king of the kingdom of heaven. Who is that? Jesus. I don't know how preachers get this wrong, but they do. They make up every other analogy for the treasure in the field. It's everything else except the king of heaven. When it literally says at the beginning of the verse, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. It literally says it. Like, like, you, you can't mess it up, but they do. It's staring at us in the face. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden. And in this story, it's hidden in a field. This, the king of all kings is hidden to the world to some degree. They aren't able to see him or his kingdom, but some can and many get glimpses of him. This man walking by sees the treasure, He finds the kingdom, and he hides it back in the ground so he can gain it all. He then goes and sells everything because he's overjoyed. He buys the field, and he has the kingdom fully, and thus he has the treasures forevermore. The heart of this parable is that when a man sees the king of all kings, the Lord Jesus, and his kingdom, he's willing to give up all that he has in the world to have this relationship with the greatest treasure ever. And he does it with great joy, with tears in his eyes. Because in losing all that he has in the world, he gains infinitely more in God who owns everything. Like, oh man, I gotta give up my ways of the world and worshiping all the other gods of this world. And uh, I've been walking with God, I'm running the other direction. You mean you actually want me to submit to a king and a god and you want me to live for him instead of myself? Yeah. And in doing so, you gain everything because he owns everything. It is infinitely greater than the treasures of this earth. Matthew 16, 26, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? Matthew 6, 25, for whoever wants to save his life must lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You'll find everything. That's what happens to people who come in contact with Jesus. They're changed forever. You come in contact with a train, you're gonna be changed forever, aren't you? Yes. You'll be changed forever in a split second. You know who's bigger than a train? Almighty God. You come in contact with him, you will be changed forever. It's like Keith Green says, it's like waking up from the longest dream, how real it all seemed until your love broke through. I was lost in a fantasy until your love broke through. And that's why we get these terms, Jesus freaks. It's crazy Christians because, again, you talk to them and it's like, what are you, what is, are you like, your, your, your head's in the clouds. but when it transforms the way a person loves his neighbor, serves his neighbor, loves his spouse, loves his kids. You watch a man or a woman go from chasing after, pleasing themselves only in life, selfish as can be, willing to step on anyone and knock anyone out of the way to get ahead, and then they turn around and become a servant of all, you say something happens. Maybe they still have the power, maybe they still have the money, maybe they still have the fame, but they do a 180 degree turn and all of a sudden they want to love and serve people. Not perfectly, they're not perfect, that's a process that takes a lifetime, but you see something happen to them. Those desires, I wish I could put into every single human being and just make it happen. I would do it. But when you see it happen, maybe you've come in contact with a real Christian, with a true Christian, you say, there is something different about you. The follower of Jesus can't help but give up the ways of the world to follow him. The disciple of Jesus, when they see the treasure found in him, there is nothing in this world compared to him. We gladly offer all that we have to our king. He owns it all anyways. We offer all that we have to glorify him with our whole life. Lord, you can have all the stuff, use it for your glory. You can have all of my gifts, talents, and abilities, use it for your glory. You can have all my time, use it for your glory. You can have all my money, use it for your glory. You can have all my networking, all my friendships, use it for your glory. It is no longer solely for me. It will be for you. That's part of the equation, no doubt. When we give up everything for him, we're basically opening our hands and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with this life you've given me? I give it back to you. Use me for your glory. Use all that I have for your glory. Whatever you want, whatever you desire. Help me to love these people on the earth. Help me to turn them to you. That's what I'm trying to do. And you can still enjoy all that God has given you. Enjoy it. Have an absolute blast with it. All your gifts, talents, abilities, all your resources, all of your success. Have a blast. Just don't forget what it's for. Do not forget the ultimate purpose. Because we've seen guys that take it and turn it the other way all for their own glory. What happens? They get sick. the mind starts to fall, the heart starts to fall, they isolate, they start to tear down everybody around them, no one likes them. The richest, the most powerful, the most famous. It makes people sick. But there are those that God has given it to that seem to use it for his glory wisely. It is a powerful thing when somebody who has great power, a great wealth, turns around and serves you And you're looking at him thinking, why are you doing that? What are you trying to get from me? And what if there was a pureness of heart there where he says, this is for God's glory. He's given me all that I have. I gladly give it to you. I gladly am going to be generous with those around me. And I'm gladly gonna lift up others above myself. That's why he's given this to me. When we choose to lose our life, it's choosing to let go of running from God, living for sin in the world, and start living for God loving him and loving our neighbor, no longer living solely for ourselves. We are not, we are no longer the king or queen of our lives. The Lord is now the king and God of our lives. We humble ourselves and we submit to him in relationship and in doing so, family, you know what happens? You make him your father And what happens when your father is the ruler of the universe and the richest of the planet and has all the inheritances and blessings that you could ever imagine? He grants it to his kids. Behold what manner of love the father has given unto us that we should be called sons and daughters of God. Colossians 2.2, Paul writes, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you remember Solomon? God came to Solomon and said, Solomon, I'm going to give you anything that you want, anything that you desire. I'm going to grant this to you. Please tell me. What is it that you want on this planet? And Solomon says this, God, please grant me wisdom to govern your people. And he says to Solomon, because you did not ask for riches, because you did not ask for power, because you did not ask for anything else, I will give you wisdom, and I will give you everything else. In the wisdom was hidden the ability to gain everything. And that is the secret. And it says here in Colossians 2, 3, that in him, Jesus is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything that you would ever need is hidden in him. He is the hidden treasure in the field. I love this story. Colossians 1:15 He is the image of the invisible God, Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him. He is the treasure. He is the gift. Ephesians 1 3, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with him. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure to do so so we praise god for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins he has showered us with his kindness along with all wisdom and understanding that is ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 to 8. Powerful text. All the treasure a man is looking for in this world is found in King Jesus. Men want to be freed from their guilt of sin. They want peace when they die, and they want joy while they live. It's all found in Him. He is the treasure you're seeking, He is the final stop and final destination. And that treasure has an infinite bottom. You keep digging and you keep digging in there and you cannot believe what you keep finding. The treasures that I found in just the small 20 years of walking with God, I cannot believe. I'm very thankful for the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that he's given to me, little by little, little grains. I, I, I have a pretty thick head here. I'm a bit stubborn. I gotta learn the hard way, but God in his grace has been patient with me. Where would I be? Where would we be had we not found the treasure hidden in the field? Some of you maybe are finding that treasure hidden in the field today. In Jesus' name, dig it up, sell everything. Buy the field, find the treasure, and have life forevermore. Jesus gives another picture in verse 45, look at your text. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. Upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Man, you've been down in the jewelry district here in LA? That's fun. Like, I can't, can't believe there can be this many diamonds in like one place. This is wild. The du- jewelry district is incredible. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, a buyer, looking for rare, valuable pearls. He travels everywhere going to auctions looking for these super rare, valuable pearls. And one day he sits down at an auction in a small town and the pearl of all pearls is sitting there on display to be auctioned off the next day. It's just about the size of an egg. But it's not just the size of this pearl. That's not what caught him. It was the depth of it. Almost transparent, with perfect pearl glaze and glow, swirls of gold and silver in it. When you look into it, as the sun hits it, it has a special luminance and glow. Nothing like he has ever seen in his life. It's almost magical. He immediately leaves the jewelry market in town to run and sell everything he has. He sells all of his bags of diamonds. All of his precious gems, all of his bags of gold and silver, even the hat on his head, he sells to pull together as much money as he can. He gets to the auction early the next morning, nervous, but hopeful he just might win this precious pearl. The auction begins. Starting bid is 10,000, then 20, then 30, then 40, then 50, 100K. The man froze. He sees the price going up quickly, and he yells out, 1.1 million, it's all I have. And the room goes silent, and the auctioneer waits and waits, going once, going twice, and tears start to roll down the man's face in great joy. And the auctioneer yells, sold, sold to the man in the third row. The man knew he had found the pearl of all pearls, the pearl of greatest prices. Nothing on the earth as special as that one great pearl. This is the kingdom. When a man or woman finds Jesus, they can't help but give the highest bid. I bid everything that I have. Everything. Lord, I give you my life. You have given me everything. How can I not give back to you? Romans 5.8, when we were utterly helpless, verse six, Christ came just at the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might be perhaps willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinning. While we were still sinning. He's given us everything. You see, this is the difference between Christianity, true Christianity, and every other religion on the planet. Every other religion on the planet, you know, they tell you, do this, 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 do that thing, this thing, that thing, five times a day, knock on those doors, go on this mission trip for two years, you gotta travel to that place, you gotta go to that temple, you gotta do this, talk to that monk, you gotta do this, 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 this. then you will obtain You know, Christianity says, you do nothing except for believe on me that I have done everything for you and I grant you heaven, forgive your sin and pour out blessings upon you as if you are my child forever. And that person turns around and says, God, then I give you everything. I gladly will do this, 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 this. I want to give you everything for the rest of my life because you have given me everything up front. It is the difference, the single difference. It's called grace, giving you what you don't deserve. It's called grace. You can't earn it. You can't get it. All you can do is simply believe on him. People are working day and night trying to obtain heaven. And Christ offers it up front. Why would he do that? I'll tell you, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. His motive for doing this is because he loves you. You know why I give my kids things? Because I love them. You know why I bless them? It's because I love them. Do they have to do anything to earn my favor? I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. They really can't do anything to earn my favor. I love them because I love them because I love them because I love them and I love pouring grace. I pour grace upon grace upon them. I give them all that I give them because I love them, not because of anything they have done. I didn't realize this until I became a father, how far I could love a person who I've never known. I've only known him for one year, my little shep and I will give him everything I have. The Bible says that God loved us and that was his motivation as a father for his kids and that's why he has given everything to us up front. And when we see his love for us in return, it causes us to walk with him through life, to love him and to love people around us the way that he loves us. I love these pictures, these stories. Aren't they great? Look at verse 47. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up onto the beach and they sat down and gathered the good fish in the containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the fiery furnace in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Jesus gives us another picture of the kingdom of heaven and the judgment at the end of the age. He almost gives a call through the parable, through the treasure hidden in the field, and through the pearl of great price, a call to please sell everything you have to obtain those treasures. Do it! And then he gives a picture of what will happen at the end of the age. He describes a scenario of a net being thrown out into the sea, a drag net. This would be thrown from the shore. They would throw it out into the shore as far as they could get it out. Possibly a rowboat would help carry that thing out to get it out as far as they can so they could gather as much of every kind of fish as they could. And after doing so, they would leave it out for a while, sometimes overnight, and then they would drag the whole thing in to the shore. They would pull it up on the beach and then they would sift through the net to find all the stuff they found out there. There's sticks and leaves and trash, and there's fish that they can eat, and obviously some that they cannot. They kept the good and they threw out the bad. And Jesus says, so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will throw out the net onto the earth and gather the people of the world of every kind. And at the judgment, they will be separated good from bad, righteous from evil. They will take the evil ones and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the place called hell. This is not my saying. That's what Jesus said. You just gotta read the text again. Is Jesus speaking about hell? There it is. The place of judgment. And again, this is a reference to Daniel in the fiery furnace. You Bible students know about Daniel being thrown into the fire pit and obviously withstanding it because God spared him, but the firing furnace is a reference to that. But hell is much worse than fire. It's separation from God, the one who is good, the one who is light, the one who is joy, peace, and happiness, the one who is truth, the one who gives beauty to this entire earth. All of that removed from our lives, separated from the one who is all of that forever, is far beyond fire, and it's the saddest part. It says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth there. The saddest thing is that no one will get there unless they reject God. No one will get there unless they say, I don't want your forgiveness. I don't want anything to do with you, God. I'm gonna do my own thing, I am the captain of my own ship. I run this thing, it's my life. I will not yield to you. And God will say, then you will have your way. If you don't want me, you can have your way. They will not receive forgiveness from God and they will have to pay punishment for their sins. You see, everyone wants judgment for the wicked until it applies to them. We all want Hitler to be judged. We all want the crazy dictators of the world to be judged, but we don't want to be judged. We're scared to be judged. And I'm trying to paint a picture as best as I can for you that God has basically brought you to the field and he is showing you the treasure today. And you can literally dig it up and open the treasure and you can purchase the field if you want to. How do you find righteousness it's found in the treasure, it's found in Jesus, in a relationship with him, 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God. He made him who knew no sin to be, to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. God treated Jesus as if he had committed all of your sins. And God treats you as if you had done all the perfect things that Jesus did. That's the gospel. He literally does that for you. We were analyzing this a couple weeks ago in Bible study, the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross is literally a criminal who's done wrong his whole life. And he looks over to Jesus and believes who he is, who he says he is. He says, you are the Lord, you are the Messiah. This man has done nothing wrong. And then he asked Jesus, he says, please remember me when you come into your kingdom, please. This man has done nothing good. He's a criminal dying, a criminal's death, but he is broken as he looks into the eyes of the Christ. He says, please, please remember me when you go into your kingdom. And Jesus looks at him and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. That's grace. Jesus was being crucified as a criminal, he had done nothing wrong. The criminal was being crucified for what he had done wrong, he should not receive forgiveness. But Christ gives him forgiveness and grace and blessing in that moment because he yielded himself to the Lord. The guy on the other side of the Lord said, why don't you take yourself down and save us too? What are you doing? He missed the whole thing. Jesus then asked the disciples as we close, have you understood all these things? have you understood all these things and they said to him yes we do and he said to them therefore every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out his treasure things new and old jesus is talking to the disciples tells them all these things and he says do you understand yes we do he says well the scribe the scholar the bible student." is like someone who is the head of a household, patriarch, matriarch, head of a household, who understands the old and the new. He's speaking and referencing to the Old Testament law, that all of the Old Testament ways and teachings, all of the treasures of old, point to the Messiah, point to Jesus. All the temple, all the sacrifices, all the law of the Old Testament, the whole shebang points to the Messiah who is to come. When that Messiah comes, he is going to be king. The Messiah, the Savior, they've always, well, they've hoped for, but not the one they've always wanted. They wanted a political leader. Jesus said, I didn't come to save you from the politics. I came to save you from your sins and from death because those are far greater. And he sets up his kingdom and he's asking the disciples, do you understand the both? Are you making sense? We do not exchange one for the other. We don't throw away the old treasures. We don't, we don't just take in the new treasures. We bring them together. And that is the point that he's making, that Jesus is the center of the universe. The king is the center of the universe. He is calling on us, church family, to sell everything in this world and find life. Do you remember the rich young ruler? Rich young ruler walks up, runs up to him, he's rich, he's young, he's good looking, and he's a ruler. He's got the latest kicks on. He's got the power around his neck. He runs up to Jesus. He says, Lord, what must I do to be saved? He says, well, um, have you kept all the commandments? And he says, yeah, actually, I kept them all since my youth. Jesus says, oh, really? You've kept them all. He's like, oh, I have every single one. I'm rich, I'm young, I'm good looking. What do you expect? Of course I did. The Lord says, okay, keep this one. Go sell everything that you have and follow me. It's beautiful because the text says that the Lord looked upon him and loved him. And then it says, the young rich ruler, he hung his head and he walked away sorrowful for he had many things. He came in contact with the Lord. He saw the treasure hidden in the field. He said, go sell everything to buy it. But he didn't want to do it. And he went away sorrowful. Psalm 63, 5, you saddest me more than the riches of feasts. I will praise you with songs of joy. Psalm 107, nine, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. I'm telling you today, you found the treasure in the the field. The question is, will you sell everything to gain life? I'm gonna pray for us today and ask that the Lord would do that in our hearts now, okay? Let's turn to the Lord, let's turn to him in prayer. Father, we worship you in this place. Lord, we thank you for this text. And Lord, I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit that transformation would take place in our hearts and minds. We reflect on the gospel. We know that we've sinned against you. We know we've done wrong. And Lord, we know that you came and lived a perfect life to give to us and you died and took the punishment that we deserved. And you did that so that we could be forgiven of all of our sins and then given a perfect life spiritually so that we can go to heaven. And we believe on that work, all you ask us to do is to believe on you with all of our hearts to make you Lord and Savior over our life. Turn away from worshiping the gods of the world, turn away from running away from you and turn to you with all of our hearts. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and we're praying, you say, Pastor Josh, that's me actually. I need to make a commitment or recommitment to the Lord right now. I see the treasure hidden in the field, and I sense God speaking to me clearly to come close to him. I see the treasure. I'm ready to sell everything. I'm ready to give my life over to him. I wanna walk with him with all of my heart from this day forward. If that's you, would you raise up your hand as a sign of faith? I wanna pray for you. God bless you, over here on the side, anybody else? God bless you as well. Anybody else, would you raise up your hand and surrender? God bless you guys in the back, anybody else? You say, the Lord's speaking to me right now, I know I need to get things right with him today. Anybody else? Let me pray for you, would you raise up your hand? God bless all of you there in the back, God bless you. Father, I pray for all of these hands raised, as they're making decisions in their hearts and minds right now that you would seal that act of faith that you would save now that you would raise them to life you would give them the gift of heaven you would forgive them of their sins you would help them to walk in newness of life from this day forward all things have passed away behold all things are becoming new I pray for them, Lord, as they call upon you as Lord and Savior, that they would repent and turn away from sins and the ways of the past and turn to you now with all of their hearts and you'd help them to walk with you. Love you. Start loving people for your glory. Bless them. Seal it in them in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for the rest of us as we offer you our hearts and minds. Lord, we do it again in faith. And we ask that you would fill us. And we ask that you would use us to show other people in this world the treasure hidden in the field. Oh, God, help us. Empower us to do so. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.